Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Final Corner Podcast. Thank you very much for downloading and listening again this week. This week we're going to be covering the Tuscan Grand Prix from Mugello. It was Ferrari's 1000th race, um, which is celebrated by having a special ivory on the car, special ivory on the safety car, Mercedes safety car. Bit funny to do that, to be honest. But it's a track they own, track they might celebrate it on, celebrate their 1000th race, and they were as terrible as you'd expect. So that's pretty much it for the celebrations. I know they had a big event in uh, one of the Italian cities. Um, where Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc both attended and there was a few other celebrations at the weekend. Mick Schumacher got to drive his dad's uh, 2004 Ferrari um, and there was a few other things that they did but let's focus on the race. Coming into the race, uh, first time we've ever been at Mugello, first ever Tuscan Grand Prix, uh, Ferrari on track. Uh, it's not a track I've ever can remember seeing cars go around. Um, I'm sure I've seen bikes on it before, um, but I was really excited to see this. Some of the onboards from uh, previous F1 tests that they've done there uh, looked epic. So this was one I was really excited for. Um, let's start off looking at the news. Big news coming at the weekend was that Sebastian Vettel was confirmed to have signed for Racing Point, which will become Aston Martin next year. Um, so he's finally staying on the grid. Uh, that was rumoured to be done about Spa, um, but nothing happened there and Sebastian signed pretty much the night it was announced. Uh, Sergio Perez announced that he was leaving the team. Um, he got a phone call, I believe, on the Wednesday night before the press conferences on Thursday. Um, and that was pretty much his exit, which only left Sebastian Vettel taking that seat. It's a great move for Vettel. Um, he gets to stay in F1. The contract is for next year and beyond, which I imagine is a, a two-year deal with an option for a third or a fourth year as well. Um, it's a great move for him because it's going to keep him on the grid. It's going to move him up the grid in all likelihood, um, certainly from where Ferrari is this year. Although next year Ferrari will have a new engine um, and like all the cars will have a bit of downforce taken off. Um, but the new engine should push them a bit further forward. But in all likelihood, will it just bring them closer to the racing point? Will it take them ahead of the racing point? I don't get in the, their problems just in an engine. It's hard to say whether that, that the jump with a new engine would take them ahead. But it's a great move for him. It's got him in a team that's got a lot of financial backing behind it now. Uh, it's a team that's got a relatively competitive car this year to be fighting for points every race and occasionally fighting for a podium. It's I'm not sure if it's as good a move for Aston Martin as it is for Vettel. It's, it depends what Sebastian they get. If they get the Sebastian that's been around for the last couple of years, it's probably not going to be a great move going for Vettel. It's great publicity-wise marketing-wise, but Sergio Perez was doing a very good job in that car, has been doing a good job in that team for years, um, is always competitive, is always aggressive. Sebastian in the past few years has been outclassed really by Charles Leclerc. When he was fighting for titles with Ferrari and in a competitive car, eh, you saw him blow it several occasions, you know, crashing out of the German Grand Prix while in the lead. 
spinning, uh, we've contacted Monza with Lewis Hamilton, spinning, contacted Max Verstappen in uh, Japan, spinning China, which was Verstappen's fault, uh, spinning Bahrain last season. I mean, a lot of mistakes crept, crept into Sebastian's driving over the last few years, um, and his speed in comparison to Charles Leclerc, at least, is, is, is dissipated. So I'm not sure. It's as great a move for Aston Martin as for Vettel. Um, if Sebastian's excited for a new challenge and gets really motivated and can find his groove again, then it'll be a fantastic signing. And if they've got a competitive car next year again, um, then that's... Although you would... The thing is that Racing Point got a jump on some people with their new design. Um, whereas other, other teams are starting to co-op back now. You've seen Renault having good results. McLaren keeps having good results. So it's maybe not as competitive a car as we thought it was at the start of the season, but it's still going to be a step up from where it is now. And plus it keeps them on the grid for 2022, which is, as we keep saying, is the most important thing is to keep you keep yourself on the grid for 2022 uh, because no one knows what's going to happen that year. No one knows what the order's going to be. And that's really got to be Sergio Perez's attitude now. It's just stay on the grid. Uh, keep keep yourself in people's minds, keep yourself there, give yourself a chance when the new rules come in to possibly in a competitive car. I mean the last one of the last major rule changes two thousand nine had a massively mixed up grid because the top teams got it wrong. McLaren dropped back, Ferrari dropped back, Honda became Braun, went to the front, Red Bull made a big step forward. Even that year Force India and Toyota were both competitive. So it's a great opportunity, you've got to keep yourself on the grid. And Perez's options, um, I mean, there's the only seats available. There's a seat at Mercedes, he's not going to get that. And there's a seat at Red Bull, which I doubt he'll get. Um, they seem more and more going to be sticking with uh, Alex Albon, although he was linked with Red Bull's seat um, initially. I don't think that's real realistic, to be honest. Uh, Alpha Tauri. They don't have a driver lineup confirmed. Uh, I imagine Pierre Gasly will probably be in there. But um, the Red Bull management has spoken about uh, Daniel Kvyat not meeting expectations so far this season. So if there's going to be a spare seat there and they can't promote someone from F2 like Shinoda, then maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a relatively competitive car for the lower end of the points. Wouldn't be a bad move for Perez, I don't think. Uh, keeps him in a team which has now become the sister team rather than a junior team of uh, Red Bull. So it wouldn't be a bad move for that. The other options really are Alfa Romeo and Haas, which neither are really competitive. Haas has been at the back of grid you know, every week. Um, Alfa Romeo, the same, although they've had a couple of... They've climbed up the grid a little bit in the past few races, but that's more than likely just because of the, the red flags and safety cars, etc, etc. So neither look really competitive, but both will get in the new Ferrari engine next year, I believe. Uh, both are customer teams, and I believe they get this, they're going to get the same engine. So they might make a step forward. Um, keeps if we keep him on the grid, he's going to be competing for those seats. Though I mean, uh, Schwartzman and Schumacher are both linked with the Alfa Romeo seat. Alfa Romeo seem to be just going the road of taking uh, junior drivers for Ferrari. Also got Giovinazzi in there at the moment. Kimi Raikkonen looks like he might be on the verge of retirement. He's got first option of the seat, um, but he just he doesn't seem very happy at the moment. Um, Giovinazzi 
He's driven better this year than he did last season, even though he's in a worse car. So it's, it's I can see them probably dropping Giovinazzi, but it's whether they go for a Red Bull or a Ferrari junior driver or they'll take a, a punt on Perez. I think if Raikkonen retires and they go with a Schumacher, then Perez or Hulkenberg becomes an option as having an experienced driver in the second seat. In Rahas, I imagine Roman Grosjean's probably going to be gone this season and Magnussen. I expect them probably to change Magnussen as well if they've got the, the opportunity. And again, Hulkenberg and Perez are the obvious candidates. Get yourself into one of those teams, stay on the grid for another two years, see what happens. Another uh, another option that's been rumoured in the past few days is moving to IndyCar for McLaren. Uh, Perez has said, however, that his preference is to stay in the sport, stay in the grid. He doesn't want to take a year out. He doesn't want to take that risk. Um, he says he'd rather retire and then try and take a year out and wait for a seat to come available. If you're out of sight, you're out of mind in a lot of ways. So I think if Dunno's workout, IndyCar and McLaren would be good for him. Um, We've had some decent performances in the car from what I've seen this season. Right, we keep them busy, keep them and uh, keep them somewhat in the public eye anyway. Because anytime an ex F one driver does something good, and uh, in the car it gets reported here, it's shown on Sky Sports F one. Uh, I don't think it's a bad move if if all things go pear shaped in the grid, then that's probably a decent move. Another big bit of news coming to the weekend was that Renault was going to be changing their names to Alpine F1 next season. Uh, that was came after Cyril Abitou was named head of Alpine Road Car Division uh, as the Renault group had a bit of a reshuffle in previous weeks. I think that's a big, it's a big promotion in a way for him moving uh, into the up, but it's also a big weight around his neck. He's got to turn that car division around. And considering the F1 team hasn't really made the big steps forward that I was expecting in previous years, I think the pressure is going to be on him to really turn that division around and get the F1 team competitive real within a year or two. And I think, I think this name switch is the first move that you'll see that his job is probably on the line in the next year or so. He's he's got to start making steps forward um, in both divisions now rather than just focus on the F1 team. So that's going to be a big challenge for him. It's a big change in the grid. But a bit of shame. You know, Renault is a Formula 1 World Constructors winning team. Um, won races in the past. They haven't done any of that since the return. But still, it's, it's, a, it's a championship team. And you never like to see a championship team disappearing. Uh, if in name only. It's probably just going to be the same. Same structure, same, same outfit. But it's a shame to see the name disappear already. Um, Alpine, not exactly the most famous car company in the world, but the, I guess that's uh, the point in the change. Moving on from the news then, and the qualifying. Um, as you'd expect, always Hamlin takes pole. Um, it was behind Bottas all weekend and then pulled it in qualifying as it always does. Uh, Alex Albon managed to get himself into P4 finally. Something Red Bull have been praying for that they can finally get him up there in a, in a position to help Max, although he was four and a half tenths off Max's time. So it's also obviously still a massive gap there, but at least he's got P4, and that's the, exact, that's the minimum they're looking for. Charles Leclerc somehow got himself up into P5 with an incredibly slow Ferrari. 
Um, Sergio Perez managed to out-coffee Lance Stroll, um, but has a one-place good penalty and swap behind Stroll in the race. But considering Stroll had uh, upgrades on his car that uh, Perez didn't, upgrades were supposed to be worth about three tenths, then that was a great, great performance from Perez, although everyone's final runs was disrupted by uh, Ocon having a spin and uh, Q3. Ocon got through to Q3 though, again, positive step for him. Renault with two cars in Q3. Uh, Lando Norris missed out for the first time this year. Uh, Pierre Gasly went out in Q1. That was a bit of a surprise after his shock win last week in Italy. And again, Magnussen was last on the grid, showing that Haas didn't really have too much performance in that car. Grosjean managed to get through in 15. But, uh, finish up in 15, sorry. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a great weekend for Haas again. Sebastian Vettel only just got through to Q2 and was 14th just for violating his problems. And Kimi Raikkonen through to Q2 again in 13th. He was still looking for his first point of the season. So into the race. On the first lap, off the start, it was a great start by Bottas. He immediately took the lead. Off with Hamilton, uh, got a brilliant start. Hamilton bogged down, got lost position to Bottas. Almost lost position to uh, Verstappen, he dropped P3. Uh, Verstappen got alongside him, then immediately his engine went into some sort of mode which just had him no power, so he dropped about 10 positions by the time he got to turn 1. Uh, he was going absolutely nowhere. Charles Leclerc got a bright start up into P3, um, going up into turn 2. Albon still sitting P4, although not the greatest of starts from him. Going up into turn 2 though, that's when it all... All the fun and games started. Carol Sainz spun after a contact with Lance Stroll. Uh, Sebastian Vettel ended up collecting him, losing his front wing, but both of them were able to continue. Didn't look like big contact, to be honest, but um, it didn't look like a major thing, but it just, uh, just not seeing uh, Sainz into a spin. We dropped him back, and then further back, it really all kicked off. He had a three-way battle up into turn two with Kimi and Grosjean and Gasly squeezing up the middle of them both. As we're going up into turn two, Kimi veered right, Grosjean veered left, they were collected. Uh, Gasly, big crash, I think Raikkonen went in the back of Verstappen and it knocked out both Gasly and Verstappen, although Verstappen was going to retire anyway because of his engine issues. Grosjean went off onto the grass. In the gravel actually and then bounced off the wall. I think he even turned his car off, he was just like this is gut. And then a few seconds later he went, Oh, I'm actually still on the grass here. Managed to get the car back going and drive his way around the grass. Um but his car was his before was wrecked. Before his car was destroyed. I mean one of the upcoming red flags that they had, I'm pretty sure that the Haas team were duct taping his car. Um, just I think to hold it together and to smooth out all the, the broken aero parts on the floor it looked a mess um, and they pretty much killed his race, he had no pace after that then <laughs> all started to really go wrong so two car, two corners in the race lost two cars before we even got to turn one the safety car restart lost about an hour six of them I mean it's the, it's the worst safety car restart I've probably ever seen um, so, so Bottas is leading them round after they've cleared up Verstappen and Gasly's car. He's leading them round the lap. Uh, the safety car doesn't turn its lights off until they get to the final corner. 
um, which means that Bottas can't build a gap for the final corner. And given the massive long straight in Mugello, uh, we've seen all weekend at the slipstream was really strong, even just off the start into turn one, let alone going for the final corner down into turn one. He waited and um, just crawled his way along the pitch straight till he got to the start finish line in which he forged it down to turn one uh, and managed to keep the lead going into there. But as he was approaching the start finish line, it's just chaos behind. Um, everybody's behind him is trying to gain the advantage and get the jump on the car in front. So from about six backwards, there's the start leaving gaps to the car in front uh, as they're coming toward coming out the final corner or through the final corner and then folding it, just taking the gamble that the Bottas is going to go and everyone's going to accelerate and because they've accelerated their second to earlier they're going to have 10, 20 plus mile an hour advantage over the car in front and get past. So everyone's doing that, backing up and going, backing up going, um, which inevitably caused a massive crash uh, coming towards the start finish line. I mean, it all started going through the final corner. At one point, Latifi almost runs straight at the back of Magnuson, just going through the final corner, just totally misjudging what everyone's doing. Um, and then they come down at start finish straight and the wipe out. Latifi, Giovinazzi, signs and Magnuson all get wiped out. I mean, we've only had two corners and we're down to 14 runners and then get Ocon retires immediately afterwards, down to 13. So they bring out the red flag because of this crash. Um, the crash really happens because the car's back off and whatnot, but it, it seems to stem from, as they're coming toward past Pitney, towards the start-finish line, Kvyatin has Ocon directly behind him and Norris in front. So Kvyat drops back and gives himself a gap to Norris and fours it. Uh, Ocon follows them. Um, but just before this, uh, they've got uh, Russ, George Russell behind in the Williams. Russell's sitting about four car lines behind Ocon, so he's left himself a bit of a gap as well as he's coming towards the pit entry. He sees the two guys in front of him fouring it. So he reacts because it's suddenly went from four car lines behind to ten. So he just reacts and goes for it. He's, he's full throttle for about four seconds before he realises the car guys in front have had to immediately break. Um, he lifts off for about a second and then he, then he hits the brakes. Magnuson's fallen him close behind, which, and so he does the exact same. Uh, unfortunately, Latifi is right behind Magnuson. And as Magnuson breaks, Latifi decides to swerve uh, to avoid him. And as he swerves to avoid him, Giovinazzi's following him. Uh, so as he swerves, Giovinazzi doesn't see that Magnuson stopped in front. He has no idea why Latifi's swerved. And he just smashes straight in the back of Magnuson. Straight into the side of Latifi, he's flipped up in the air. Carol Sainz does the same thing and runs into the back of all of them. So uh, thank God they had the halo device on the cars. And that's probably the third or fourth race this season where I've said thank God the halo's on the car. Because if if the halo hadn't been there, Giovinazzi's car was probably against his helmet. I mean, it was that was a horrible, horrible incident. Really, really reminiscent of the Billy Monger incident a few years ago at Donington, uh, where the car in front of him, the heat's fallen, is full pelt, and then suddenly just moves, swerves out of the way because the car stopped in the middle of the road. It's so dangerous, and it's it's all coming from guys trying to 
gain my advantage and I don't know what happens every race but on this, this occasion it just it went, went to hell uh, wiped out four cars Grosjean almost got caught up in it and Vettel had amazing reactions to it um, he saw a puff of smoke I think and reacted to that rather than the impact because if he if he react if he didn't react to the puff of smoke he reacted to the crash that he seen in front because he seen the, the the smoke before he seen the debris he'd have been straight in the back of that as well but he reacted brilliantly and got out of the way Grosjean reacted well and got out of the way Barbara at the red flag absolute disaster area in the pit lane the red flag went on for ages but it does mean that we got on a standing start uh, I like this rule don't know if it's the fairest rule in the world to be honest to have a standing start after a red flag probably isn't fair because you know you've had people driving on one side of the track for in this case it was only two laps but you know if they have the I've seen the next red flag you have the guys sitting on the left who haven't had a car run over that back of Tamarack over race and it's covered in debris and crap and then the guys in the racing line have got a smooth smooth getaway so probably not the fairest but it's probably the most exciting way to do it um, as the start of Hamilton gets a better start this time just straight past Bottas in the lead and Daniel Ricciardo works his way up into P3 brilliant overtaking again I, I love I love the turn one here uh, because the guys can take so many different lines through it as they're overtaking and go inside outside they can run it to the wide side of the track they can bring it inside they can run straight up the centre uh, I mean it's epic, I thought it was brilliant and the DRS was powerful the long straight given the slipstream was really powerful it was brilliant brilliant. Um, back further back down the field to have George Russell finally getting up into points into P9 um, still waiting his first points in F1 uh, he's got both Ferraris behind them who have no pace at all they honestly they don't like the way they're going anywhere um, but Leclerc from the restart was sitting P3 and just got passed and passed and passed and it's so depressing for him, especially at their, their Fousef Grand Prix celebration. I mean, to see two Ferraris struggling just to stay in the points behind the Williams, it was really, really, really highlights what they've got wrong going with them. And if, some people thought this track would be a bit nicer to them than the previous two, but Obviously, it didn't really pan out that way. Uh, long straights killed them, and then, as you saw, some of the onboards, uh, Vettel in some of the corners was fifty mile an hour slower than Leclerc in qualifying. Um, he just has no confidence in the car at all. Leclerc was getting a bit better out of it in qualifying, but even in the race, he was just falling, falling back and back. So it was looking like it was going to be a pretty dull end to the race. Bottas was begging for a safety car. And he got a red flag. Juan uh, Stroll. Juan Stroll was running a good, quite a part of the field. They're going pretty well. Um, you could see the actual upgrades on his car working better than Perez's. You could see the advantage that it was giving him. And then uh, he binned it on lap 42. It wasn't his fault. Uh, going through one of the right-handers. Uh, I think he was running it out onto the curb. And he had a left rear puncture, a left rear suspension. One or two just sent a flying in the barriers. Quite a, quite a big shunt again. Uh, he took his time getting out of the car. Red flag immediately. Um, 
I think just given the, the nature of the circuit, retrieving cars was difficult uh, and the da it was damaged to the tyre barrier, um, which probably is why they deployed the red flag rather than a safety car. And then the time it took the marshals to clear away this car was shocking, honestly. They didn't know what to put out. The car was on fire. The car was bellowing smoke and it, they, were, they finally got a digger and they didn't know where to move it or put the fire out. At the end of, the end of all, the car was just a wreck. I mean, they got, the, the marshals were pulling side panels off the car to get the fire extinguishers in. The guys were they were going through fire extinguishers in seconds trying to get it out, but this thing smouldered for about 20 minutes. Um, and if, the, if it's going to take that long to clear the car, it's probably a good thing to put the red flag rather than a safety car. Cause it looked like a joke. I mean... Can't really blame the marshals, but it just looked a bit of a farce to see a car that destroyed. The panels pulled off, it was smoke bellowing for that long, hanging in the air, dangling. Yeah, not nice, not a nice sight, a bit of a mess. Um, although it could have a negative consequences for Sergio Perez. I mean, uh, they only had one upgrade available for this week. They're going to give uh, Perez the same upgrade at the next race in Russia. But given how destroyed that car was... It'll be interesting to see if they can get it repaired and get the upgrades on both cars for the next race. Uh, they're also going to plan on one, doing, adding it to one and maintaining it on another. Now if they've only got one available, will they give that to Perez or will they give it back to Stroll because Stroll's ahead in the championship uh, and it's, his daddy owns the team. So that'll be, that'll be interesting to see if they stick with upgrades on Stroll and whether they can actually get it turned around and get them on both cars uh, because that car would like they probably need a new chassis and that engine looked done. I mean, it was burning for 20 minutes. I hate to think what sort of damage it was done there. Even electrically, electrically it'll be good. I mean, uh, but big rebuild on their hands. Uh, but good thing they've got two weeks to do it. Um, so we get another uh, another standing start. Hamon straight into the lead again. Uh, Bottas gets a poor start. Um, he should have had the advantage from the previous two starts. He, if he had got a good start, he'd been in the slipstream and he got past that one. But he made a, he made a mess of it. Uh, Albon had another poor start. He's further the day. That red bull just seems difficult to get off the line. We've seen Verstappen struggle with it previously as well. Um, if it goes wrong, it seems to go very wrong. So he dropped a bunch of positions down, I think, P7. Um, but he managed to fight his way through. Danny Rick still sitting in P3 after the restart, looking pretty strong, but then Albon just came alive. He was just passing car after car, he's so quick, and ultimately got past Ricardo. Ricardo still waiting for his first podium at Renault. Came close a few times this season now, two P4s, um, but still just not happening. Um, not sure, there should be some stronger races for them again coming at the end of the year, but. I'm not sure. They, they need problems for Mercedes and they need problems for Red Bull. Last week they got problems for Red Bull and Mercedes and didn't capitalise. This week they got problems for Red Bull and didn't capitalise. So it's not just a track and pace they're worried about. It's also the need people in front of them to make mistakes and fall off. Which is a shame. I'd like to see Ricardo back in the podium. But Alex Albon managed to keep hold of P3. Get his first podium. Get that monkey off his back which he desperately needed. Um, 
especially with Pierre Gasly winning the Italian Grand Prix, he needed a strong result, and he got a strong result, got to P3. George Russell was running P9 before the red flag safety car, um, he got a terrible restart, dropped to the back, um, managed to get past Grosjean. Was closing in on Vettel to take the final points, uh, well, six, seven laps to go, he made a mistake, ran wide at one of the corners. I think he got to about a second and a half down Vettel, and uh, then he, he ran off the, the track, he was clear pushing right to the limit. Um, and still didn't get his point, unfortunately. So he finished P11. Uh, the finishing order, Hamilton, Bottas, Albon, Ricardo, Perez, Norris, Kvyat. Great bunch of points for Kvyat. Raikkonen gets his points, P9. Uh, great run for him. Vettel closing out the, the points. Then Russell and Grosjean was the last runners. Just having a quick run through the teams. Uh, Mercedes. Uh, it's dominant one two, back to normal for them. Um, the engine mode ban seemed to affect them in the race in Italy, and also uh, Bottas struggled with cooling issues, so he couldn't overtake with the cooling issues and uh, the lack of more powerful engine modes. It seemed to make them more difficult. Same with Hamilton coming through the field. He got through the field last week, but uh, it wasn't as easy as it normally is. But it doesn't affect them this week. They were out in front. Controlled the race, so never under pressure. Back to normal. Red Bull, um, terrible for Max. Two DNFs in a row. If he had any championship hopes, which I don't actually think he did, then they're over. They're gone. Uh, two DNFs in a row. Well, Hamilton picks up points in both. Bottas picks up points in both. Um, so, another week for him. Renault. Again, missing the first podium. The positive was though that they got two two cars in Q three. Um, Ocon had I think an engine issue, or a electrical issue. Can't remember which. Um, which took him out. It was disappointing, but outscored. Um, McLaren again. Outscored Ferrari again. Outscored uh, Racing Point again. AlphaTauri. So it's good points for Renault and the constructors. As everyone's fighting for uh, for place in the championship this year, now Ferrari's not there. It's an extra position they probably wouldn't ever be expecting, so it's an extra bit of prize money going into next year, which will be mostly welcome. McLaren, um, Sainz also had the first lap incident and then retired. Norris kept his nose clean, um, moved up from P11 to P6, which is a good, good result for him, I think. A good bunch of points. I don't think he could be unhappy with that. Alphatari, shock win from uh, Gasly and Monza, and then a shock qualifying, he went Q1, and then binned it in turn two. Um, he had contact in Monza as well, um, turn one, with Albon, uh, but it was Albon that suffered that time, not him. And this week it was him in the gravel. It shows you how quick things can turn. Um, he tried to put it up in the middle of two cars, going into turn two, can't really, can't really say you shouldn't have done that, but um, it, it, it's just a track that's going to be messy if you, if you try and go two or three cars away through that part. Um, keep your nose clean, and he didn't do that. Um, Ferrari, again, nowhere. Poor first race, uh, although seeing two cars at the point is a positive for them after previous week's debacles. Um, it's, to be honest, 8th and 9th, 8th and 10th actually, 
not probably a pretty good result for Patel, given where he is. And Coyer was disappointing because P5, running P3, and just had no pace to fight with at all. Alpha's first points of the season for Kimi, splitting both Ferraris, even after they had a pit, an extended pit stop. I think it was about 12 seconds at last seed. Uh, it was bizarre. The the rear jack man didn't get lights in the, the left rear tyre was on. Um, so he refused to lease the car. Uh, the, the wheel gun man checked, double checked it, said it was fine. And the guy just didn't let him go. <laughs> he was just standing there, uh, everyone looking, going, what's going on? Eventually, I've released them 12 seconds. Um, but even with that, splitting both Ferraris, um, <laughs> probably a really, really positive result for Alfa Romeo, given the performance and given the bad luck they've had. They should have points in Italy at the Monza. They didn't get them. They finally got them this week. Giovinazzi, out again. Um, I, don't, I think he's driving better than he did last year, but I think he's probably going to be under pressure now that Schumacher and F2 has taken the lead in the championship and you have other strong Ferrari candidates in Formula 2 at the moment um, he's going to need some strong results over the next 2 or 3 races to get himself that seat for next year and then um, Williams uh, Latifi out a big crash um, well, poor qualifying for him behind Russell. Um, Russell went off on his qualifying lap, but still managed to be quicker than his teammate, so that's not a good sign. But it means that Russell keeps his unbeaten record, his undefeated streak in qualifying, uh, finishing ahead of his teammate again. And Haas just had another disastrous weekend. Um, Magnussen last in qualifying, knocked out of the race after a decent start. Got to be honest, got himself in a good position and then got wiped out by everyone behind them. Grosjean had damage a lot in the lap one collision and never had any pace. Um, although I doubt, without that damage, I doubt he'd win the points anyway. Um, their car, it's a poor car. Uh, it's really struggling at every track. It seems an inconsistent car. One session they're going to look okay and the next session they're nowhere. They've already said that they're not going to develop this car. They're going to focus all their efforts on next year's car uh, to try and make a gain there and then going into 2022. So it's going to be a long, hard end to the season for Grosjean and Magnussen and I doubt they'll both be there at the end. What it means though is just that Hamilton extends his lead even further in the championship. Uh, the title's gone, the title's finished. It was finished weeks ago in all honesty. Unless he has some bad luck, doesn't finish, doesn't start, gets COVID. Um, Bottas isn't catching him. Um, even he can get close, but at the last second qualifying, Hamilton can just find something more than him. And it must be hard for Bottas. Um, it looks demoralised after every, every session. It looks like it's going to go so well for him, and then all of a sudden it just goes like that. So that was the race, and um, a couple of bits of news that came out after the race. Um, initially, well, Lewis Hammond wore a, wore a Brianna Taylor uh, t-shirt pre-race and on the, uh, after the race. Um, he mentioned her in his post-race interview. Brianna Taylor was shot by 
police in her own home in America and killed. Um, a lot of sports stars have picked up on the story and tried to raise awareness of it. Um, you think he was wearing, wearing a shirt saying arrest the cops who killed Brianna Taylor. Uh, police are under investigation by the state prosecutors in America, I believe, over her death. And he's also wanted to raise, uh, raise awareness of that. It was reported earlier in the week that after the race that he was under investigation by the FIA for wearing a political symbol, which you're not allowed to do. Um, although they've now confirmed that there's no official investigation into it. It would have been a bad look for F1 if they'd investigated it and find them or deduct them points and anything rightly or wrongly. Um, it would have been a bar bad PR look for them, so they've decided not to go ahead with that, rather unsurprisingly, to be honest. Um, another bit of news coming out was that Max Verstappen has an exit clause in his contract, um, which I believe Red Bull spoke about this week. Um, I think the, the clause was that if uh, Red Bull don't have a competitive engine, and by competitive it means three, more, more than a less than three tenths loss to the fastest engine, then he has an extra clause to get out of his contract. Um, I don't think that's happening. I mean, the only seat he would go to would be Mercedes and Hamilton's going to sign his contract. Uh, he just hasn't yet. I think if uh, Ferrari were stronger, um, Hamilton may have made the jump to Ferrari. But given that it's going to take them a year or two to get up, I, there's no logical reason to, to leave. Certainly next season, um, 2022 we'll see, but next season there's no reason for that. So I think Max, even if he wanted to leave, even if he could activate that clause, I, there's no point. He'd just be jumping back down the grid um, and he might as well just collect podiums where he can. Um, the other bit of news tied into this though was that Honda's uh, engine deal expires next year. They're going to be out of the sport unless they, they announce something different. Uh, their agreements end in 2021. There's an announcement expected in October. Um, either way, whether they decide to stay or decide to leave. Um, it would seem a wasted venture to leave now because they're, they're, they're catching up with the faster cars. Um, they're still struggling on the electrical side compared to Mercedes from what I'm reading. But they're, they're definitely hell of a lot closer than they were two, three years ago. And it's even a bit of shame for them to leave because I think, I think Red Bull are happier with them than Renault. Although the Renault engine is looking pretty good now. Um, I'm wondering <laughs> I wonder if they're fully happy with the Honda deal. They seem pretty content publicly. But given how strong Renault have been in some of the, the, the recent tracks... Spa and Monza, where you've got the big long straights, and even this track, and uh, race pace, Renault were unusually strong, in a track that you wouldn't have expected them to be too too good at. So I wonder if they're if they're too happy. Um, if Honda do drop out, probably see them returning back to Renault. Um, Mercedes aren't likely to give them an engine. Um, Ferrari aren't likely to give them an engine. Um, so it looks like they'd be either find a new manufacturer or back to Renault. With uh, McLaren leaving Renault next season anyway, there would be a spare engine there. And I'm sure Renault would like the extra money coming into their team. Um, 
course flying an engine on the grid because that's going to be a hit to them next year. Um, although the budget cap coming in for 2022 is maybe going to reduce the demand for that, but more money is more money. Yeah, <laughs> you're not. If you can get an extra 30, 40 million in the door, you're going to do it. Last bit of news for this week, F1-wise, was that Total Wolf keeps hinting more and more that he's going to be taking a step back next season. There's rumours that he's, the team principal job's going to be split um, so that he can move into a slightly different role and have maybe less track types of responsibilities, less day-to-day -day responsibilities. He keeps saying that it's taking its toll on him, the pressure of the job, so I imagine we'll see an announcement for him. He said he's going to stay for next season. Uh, although probably in a slightly lesser role um, after that it's not been confirmed what he's going to be doing so I think it'll be interesting to see what he does and if that affect, uh, impacts on the team's performance um, and what Hamilton does although Hamilton a few years ago said his future was tied to Total Wolf he wanted him to be there he's been a little bit different recently he's, he's been talking about how strong the team structure is around him how it's stronger than one man so I'd be interested to see his take if Toto decides to leave, but he's going to win a world title this year, he's going to win a world title next year. One man leaving is not going to change his mind too much in the end, I would guess. So that wraps it up from the first ever Tuscan Grand Prix. Um, I really liked the track, um, it looked epic in qualifying. I think 5.6G was shown on one of Hamilton's uh, qualifying laps. Which is just epic. I mean, I'll love seeing the cars going around here. Everyone expected a dull race. It wasn't a dull race. Although I imagine if we came back another year, we wouldn't get the same outcome. We wouldn't have the same incident. I think turn two and three, you're going to have, always have an incident there. Um, even at turn one on the start. So that that's always probably going to be a collision there but the rest of the time I mean I just love seeing cars overtaking it in the turn one I'd love to see the cars coming back here next year the drivers seem to want it the team seem to want it Formula 1 I've said that the next year's calendar is probably going to resemble what this year's calendar should be so imagine all these extra tracks that they've got for this year um, Portugal, Nürburgring, Imola and uh, Mugello and the Bahrain Outer Ring, uh, which I'm suddenly became a fan of, um, is not going to, they're not going to reappear next season anyway. But I'd like to see them come back. I mean, there's some tracks I'd be quite happy to replace with this. I mean, Paul Ricard comes to mind. I'd quite happily change this for this. Uh, Spain, Catalonia, boring track. Never, like, never a great race. Um, I'd much rather see this come back. I don't have time. So it's a big thumbs up for me. Um, definitely want to see that. And the reason I'm a fan of the Bahrain Outlook is that Gorman Grosjean hates it. He's worried, very worried about it. Um, which I think it, since he doesn't like it, I don't like it. But I think it, actually, think about it, you've got three big long straights there. You're going to have chaos and qualifying like uh, Monza with people trying to get slipstreams. You're going to have constant slipstreaming in the race. Um, interesting to see if they add a third DRS zone. That's gonna be, it's gonna be madness. You're gonna have car sub fifty five second laps. You're gonna have cars getting lapped constantly. Really excited for that one now. 
So that'll do it for F1. We'll take a quick look at the British Tour Car Championship which comes back this weekend after our three week hiatus. And we're going to Froxton. Um, fastest track on the calendar. Um, highest average speed. And the big news coming in the weekend is that Rob Austin's back. Um, he's returning with Power Match Racing uh, to replace Mike Bushell. Uh, Mike Bushell had stolen a point this year, I don't think. He might be the only driver not to have a point. But he uh, dislocated his shoulder and had some ligament damage. And I think he had tendon damage um, at Knockhill at the previous meet. Um, so he's been declared unfit to compete by his uh, doctors but hopefully he gets back in the good soon um, but given I think the races are going to go a bit quick and fast towards the end of the year might be a bit touch and go for the next meet uh, although Rob Austin late minute replacement he says it's not ideal but he's quite happy to do it and get back on the grid uh, it's good to see him back on the grid as well um, this week it is at Fruxton, uh, where Halford's Rathon Reathon, Honda, uh, have been really strong in the past. Um, they always win here, uh, pretty consistent here, and Dan Camish has been, and um, Matt Neal as well, have been talking up what they think they can do this weekend. Um, Camish had a decent weekend at North Hill. And Matt Neal, he was going well at Knockhill um, until he got a penalty for a false start or about a good position on the start. Um, so he's he's looking forward to this. He's still trying to keep his streak going of consecutive podiums in year, different years. Um, but it needs to be a big weekend for Dan Carrish. It needs to be a big weekend for a lot of, a lot of drivers to try and close in on Colin Tuckington. And Tuckington has a 10 point lead over Sutton uh, and has a 43 point lead over Rory Butcher in third place. There's only 5 events remaining, uh, 15 races. It's, the top 2 are becoming disconnected from the ones behind. And these guys need to need to have a strong weekend and they need Mr. Consistent to start making mistakes um, to try and close that gap. Otherwise it's got a 2 horse race to Brands Hatch at the end of the year. Really excited for this. Uh, Fruxton is a brilliant track to watch. The cars are so fast. Um, they're bringing the extra half tyre here because the loads is going to be put on now. Uh, I think the weather is supposed to be quite warm as well. Um, really excited for this. Love watching it. Um, but a heads up for anyone that's recording it. It's not on ITV4 this week. It's on ITV2, which has screwed me up in the past. Um, they normally move it for some cycling, some guys in Lycra or bird watching or some other dreary door sport that is nowhere near as exciting as touring cars or any of the support races. But that's on ITV2 this week, about half 11 I think it starts. So that's my Sunday, camped in front of the TV, nice fry up, a couple of bits of French toast and touring cars. It's a brilliant day. So that'll do it for this week. Um, I'll, we'll be back next week to talk about the action at Fruxton. Uh, no F1 this weekend. Uh, but a week off before Sochi. Um, I mean two weeks off before Sochi. But we're back at Fruxton. Really excited for that. And we'll cover that next week. So thank you again for downloading. If you enjoyed this, uh, please let me know and share it. 
uh, if you don't like it then please don't tell me but please share it if you do Facebook, Twitter, that would be great thank you and we'll see you next week